Hello and welcome to our April CIO update. I'm Carsten Röhmheld filling in for Richard Edgar. Earlier, I spoke to Fidelity International's Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey, to get his thoughts on whether the volatility we are seeing is set to continue, where next for central bank policy, and how this all feeds into Fidelity's core asset allocation view. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Carsten. Good to see you. We've seen pretty negative sentiment in bond markets and a partly different story in stock markets recently. What have investors been grappling with and what else should they expect? So I, I think it really depends a little where you look. That um, Obviously, the Treasury market has been under enormous pressure as the market has taken on board ever-growing concern around what the Federal Reserve will do, but also that to grow in fear that the policy mistake potential is increasing with that. And what I mean is that uh, we've seen, obviously, the inflationary numbers staying very high in the market, getting more concerned about them and the fear that they will last for longer, thinking that the Fed is behind the curve in what it's been doing. And on the other side, that uh, we have a position where if they were to move as significant as now starting to be discussed and that we have even discussion of 75 basis points at a meeting uh, only in the last couple of weeks, that that could actually then tip things over into much more rapidly a, a bust from uh, what we're seeing out there. So I think it's that um, uh, you know, dynamic at the moment is very much leaning towards the inflationary fear, uh, obviously in the, the US. Um, but as we look around the world, What's really interesting is the fact that um, you know, volatility is moving through markets again. We've seen it in bond markets, we've seen it in FX markets, and obviously the dramatic weakening of the yen and then um, a catch-up that we were starting to see in other currencies, but especially in the renminbi last uh, week. Um, and that's now starting to uh, flow through into equity markets, taking notice of um, you know, what that could mean for broader uh, not just risk off, but actually more about those underlying fundamentals for the economy that actually we're reaching a point where divergence of policy, increase in volatility, and that meaning that should one take down risk overall. So how should we look at this volatility? Will this continue? And where should we look for fresh challenges or opportunities in the market? Well, as, as I mentioned, I think that what we've already seen is this sort of significant increase in bond volatility. Um, we've also seen increase in FX volatility. And so I don't think it's uh, you know, unnatural for it to start to flow through to those markets that have been benign or more bullish. And that means really into equities and most probably into commodities as well. And we've already seen that to a degree in commodity markets uh, as you know, concerns of what's happening in China actually leading to a more deflationary shock. And would that then flow through into some of the demand in China and how that would impact onto commodity markets? So we're at a very complex stage again, but I think the most important underlying aspect is that we're seeing that role in volatility that uh, started to develop into bond markets and into FX markets now come into other risk assets and especially into equities. So I think that's the important part as we look ahead. And the challenge with that is that uh, you know, again, what we've seen below the surface in equity markets is this huge rotation, especially you know, looking at some of the, the growth and value aspects, but actually much broader than that in terms of the dynamics for individual companies across different countries. And then also that, uh, you know, how that then plays out at the index level. And I think that's what we started to see a little bit at the end last week was the then all of a sudden the focus on to is there anywhere that particularly is going to be safe and give the defensive qualities 
if we have this increase in risk that actually it could be that there's more of a potential bust that um, uh, comes out of these conditions as this divergence in central bank policy and divergence in economic uh, development. Real yields in the US have been ticking up significantly over the past few weeks and are on the verge of positive territory now. What are the implications for risk assets here? Well, I think that that's something, you know, as we've discussed for quite a long time, is not going to be an encouraging backdrop for risk assets. Is, um, you know, when you look and um, compare the correlation of uh, real rates to something like the growth uh, factor and to the NASDAQ directly, that um, uh, you know, it's been incredibly highly correlated. So it's hard to believe that um, what we've seen um, with real rates you know, hasn't been gradually sapping that confidence. And as we've seen with the downdraft starting to develop for, uh, for equity markets, Now, in reality, if it goes into positive territory, that's an interesting one because, again, it plays back to uh, what we've discussed on the debt burden for the US um, and the fact that if you go into real rates being positive and you haven't got the growth also coming through at the, the same time to really fully support that, um, and it's also uh, generating an environment where you're basically going to make it very difficult for some companies in terms of their refinancing and also increase this, the cost to the government uh, substantially, that uh, this could have some very negative repercussions, both for future growth, but also for those um, areas that are most correlated, such as the, the growth factor. And so whilst we see this, and while we see the Fed continuing with its current um, narrative, then actually that's quite worrying as a backdrop for markets, um, and especially uh, you know, towards the leaders, which have been the, the US indices. You talked about the central bank policy divergence before. So how big a problem is that becoming in itself? So I think it's started to become um, a much more important issue with what we've seen being translated through the foreign exchange markets. The fact that we've seen such a strong and sustained weakening in the end. We've also seen the Bank of Japan commit to further yield curve control. And so effectively saying they pump more liquidity into the system as they take um, Uh, the uh, strong stance to control longer dated yields. And that at the same time that we have this uh, decline in US liquidity, which actually that um, is going to in some ways multiply because of the uh, increase in the dollar that we've seen um, developing at this stage. And so you have a, a combination where, uh, you know, really divergence and how does that play back through in certain uh, ways that we've seen historically um, for these markets, i.e. that when you've had Uh, you know, concerns or a risk-off period, the yen has tended to be very much a safe haven at the moment. It's shown itself distinctly not to be. We've also seen that when this has been a, a yen weakening environment, you've tended to have that Japanese equities and, and broadly that's been seen as, as liquidity positive. Well, at this stage, it's not being seen uh, at that, uh, in that way. So I think that, um, again, what you've got is this divergence is creating tension and is moving um, you know, capital more towards the, the sidelines rather than creating confidence to be put to, to work. And part of that, I think, goes back to those economic uh, fundamentals that are clouding, which is that the inflationary pressures look like they are going to continue for some time, but also they're creating their own dynamic for growth to start to be impaired and not just being a European phenomenon because of what we've seen in Ukraine or what we've seen in, in China, but actually more broadly. 
Talking about China, um, some regions there are seeing further lockdowns to curb COVID outbreaks. We've seen the renminbi, as you said, weaken significantly in the past few days. What do you make of this? Well, I think that they, they are um, interconnected and it goes back to uh, the Chinese policy that we have been um, expecting in Q2, where they show signs of further easing. Um, that would be through monetary policy uh, stance. Uh, we think also there will be a degree of fiscal policy, but really more on the fiscal policy is about you know, trying to ensure that there is more certainty. And that means stopping um, you know, some of the regulatory drift and uh, new regulatory change uh, that we've been seeing on a regular basis. Um, so it'd be that combination would be constructive, but also the currency is an outlet. And I think this goes back to competitiveness across Asia and what we've seen with the yen. Um, and also that it's a route to allow a little bit of easing at a time when uh, obviously the renminbi has been remarkably stable against the dollar and the dollar has been uh, increasing in value, that it's been tightening at a time when clearly due to COVID that the economy has been struggling and uh, that has led to uh, likely lower um, growth than we expected as we uh, came into Q2. And so the stimulus is likely to be that little bit stronger. And I think that, you know, they're using the tools they have, which is allowing the currency to, uh, to weaken because of other external forces, allowing um, monetary policies to start to, uh, to ease, to try and get that credit impulse uh, going. And um, I think the other part that we need to see is that, you know, some of that regulatory uncertainty starts to um, ease as we don't see more being added on in the, the weeks ahead. So summarizing this all up, how is this feeding into Fidelity's core asset allocation view? So the, the continued sort of cautiousness that uh, we've had, you know, is not going to change just at this point. Um, you know, we do continue to look around to see if there's signs that sentiment is particularly, you know, at an extreme and that uh, markets are reflecting what we feel are, you know, inappropriate valuations. But the reality is, as we've seen now flowing uh, into risk assets, that, you know, we feel there's more to, uh, to go and therefore that um, caution is warranted. Again, we've reflected that um, through being underweight uh, in equities, and we had taken that primarily uh, through uh, Europe um, and to a degree elsewhere. Um, it has slowed down our willingness to, um, to reallocate to uh, China and Asia uh, quite so, um, uh, you know, sort of a cumulative sense uh, going into to Q2, but it doesn't change our view there that we are and will see opportunities develop um, through this quarter and that the stimulus will start to, uh, to flow a little bit more concerted fashion. Um, but it also means that we uh, stay a little bit more defensive for credit and the, uh, the dollar trade that um, uh, the team uh, have uh, managed to, uh, to hold on to and certainly um, uh, to not listen to me, which has been um, right over the last couple of percent, um, has uh, you know, continued to be a good um, part of the, the portfolio and hedge as well. Um, and I think as we look forward that from here is that we want to see you know, clear signals of change in either the inflationary front, so i.e. that um, uh, we see signs that it is at least temporarily topping out, um, that the policy approach from um, some of the central banks uh, you know, doesn't look so divergent and so aggressive, especially on the, the tightening front, um, which looking to, uh, to the Fed and some of the ECB narrative at the moment. Um, and also you know, looking into uh, areas in the economic fundamentals of um, how much we're seeing the credit impulse in China starting to develop versus demand destruction elsewhere. And that demand destruction is a key one. If we do see that, that means that uh, you know, caution could turn into um, you know, more pronounced um, uh, period of weakness. 
Thank you, Andrew. We'd better leave it there for this month. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to read more on any of the topics discussed today, then please go to your local Fidelity website or fidelityinternational.com. And you can hear plenty more on our Fidelity Answers and Rich Pickings podcast channels. The producer today was Holly Eastman with technical support from Alex Wilcox. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.